Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing all hail the power of Jesus' name and then my Savior's love. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. He chose in seed of Israel's race, he ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial pole to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows, he made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever how marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. It is good to have each of you in the Lord's house this morning. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you and Lord, we thank you for the beautiful day you've given us. We thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Most of all, we thank you for our faith. The fact that Christ died on the cross for our sins, that we might have eternal life through him. I pray that you would guide and direct the service. Help us to honor you in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be
let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He. Lift up your banner, let the anthems ring. Praises to our King. Great and mighty is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is He.
Miren. Mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend The agonies of Calvary You, the perfect Holy One Crushed your Son Drank the bitter cup reserved for me Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. By your perfect sacrifice I've been. Your enemy you've made your friend Pouring out the riches of your glorious grace Mercy and your kindness know no end Your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Savior of my soul, I want to live for. I want to live for you, Savior of my soul. I want to live for you, Savior of my soul. I want to washed away my sin Jesus thank you the Father's wrath completely satisfied Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank you once your enemy now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you would please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. title of the message this morning is the unfainting Christian. And it comes right from the very first verse of chapter 4. 
2 Corinthians. That verse says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. And as we look at this text, what the Lord is doing is he's stirring us as Christians to go ahead and step back and think about the mercy of God in our lives, the faithfulness of that mercy, the endurance of that mercy, the power of that mercy. And he says, take that, take all that you know about the mercy of God in your life and use that to help you to be faithful and to not faint or fall away in your consistent Christian walk. And as we look down to verses 3 and 4 in this chapter, it gives us the direction he's going. Verses 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So he's saying to you and I, we need to faint not. We need to not fall away, lose our testimony, lose our walk with God. He says, why? Because there is a devil out there, there is a Satan out there, who does all he can to blind those who don't see. Satan desires to hide from them. He says, hide the truth of the gospel. So you and I, God's concerned. He says, I need you to be consistent in your Christian life. I need you to be that unfainting Christian so that the devil cannot successfully hide the gospel, blind the world to the gospel. As we come down through this chapter, there are several sections of scripture I want you to see where he challenges us to faint not. The first part I want you to see is he's, he wants us to faint not in holiness. And being holy simply is living a life that honors God. Living a life that reflects God in us. For we struggle with the sin nature. We ourselves sin while we may not be sinners because we're saints. We still sin. So we have to deal with that. And God is saying to us, I need you to go ahead and not allow Satan to pull you back, hinder you, hobble you in your Christian walk. Listen to the first two verses, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. He says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So he starts out there in verse 2, helping us to understand that if we're going to faint not in holiness, then we need to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty and walk not in craftiness or deceitfulness. So each of us, when we think about the power of God's mercy in our lives, he says, think about that power enabling you to push away or renounce those hidden things of dishonesty and craftiness or deceitfulness in our lives. And each of us as individuals, each of us as, as Christian individuals, 
We should look at our relationships with others and our relationship with God and ask ourselves, am I living a life of hidden dishonesty? Am I living a life of hypocrisy? Am I saying one thing but doing another? Am I deceiving those around me about who I really am in my heart? That's quite the introspection, isn't it? That's stepping back and really taking an, an account of ourselves. And he is challenging us to do this. Why? Because out there is a whole world that needs to see the gospel. They don't need to see folks who are dishonest about their faith. They need to see the gospel. They need to see it lived in us and through us in a genuine and real way. So it takes a little bit of an inventory for us to step back and say, when in my dealings with my spouse and my children, my coworkers, my community, am I honest in who I am? And if I'm not, I need to get on track. I need to go ahead and readjust things that I'm where I should be. Uh, some, some time ago, I had rented a car and I had never driven a car that has that auto thing in it where when you're driving down the road, if you start to go against the yellow line, the car starts pulling you away. Well, nobody warned me when I rented the car that it did that. I thought something serious was happening to the car. Because all of a sudden, it's like, and I'm thinking, whoa, that is a serious problem. Well, in reality, it was helping me to pay attention and to adjust. Or maybe helping me when I wasn't paying attention to adjust. You and I, we have some of that autopilot in us, too. That when our life starts getting off track, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts tapping us. It says, come on. Come on. And we have to listen. We've got to be in tune to that gentle whisper of the Spirit of God that warns us that, yes, we need to get back to holiness. We need to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. We need to walk not in those things of deception and craftiness. But we need to walk a life that honors God. As we come down into the verse 1 in the second half of verse 2, we see that he expands that and talks to us about fainting not in our testimony. The way we present the gospel to other people, not just in the way we live, but the way we talk. Listen again to verses 1 and 2. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, and every one of us has a ministry, God has put you somewhere for some purpose. Whether it's in your home, your job, your community, your church, every single one of us has a ministry. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. So the revealing of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He really is hitting us right where we live. He's saying to us, I want you to understand that we need to faint not in our testimony to others, in the way that we talk about the Bible and the Word of God, or the way that we live our daily Christian life, that it is clear and plain, that it's not manipulative or deceptive 
Again, he bases that off of the mercy of God towards us. He's still working off of verse 1, where it says, Just as you received mercy, faint not. God's mercy never fails. He is always there for us. Through whatever it is that's coming down the pike in our lives, God is merciful. So he's telling us now, in your testimony, make sure that you do not handle the word of God deceitfully. Now, you might think to yourself, well, man, I'm no Bible scholar. No, but you do reference, talk about, maybe allude to the scriptures in your life and how you live them and how you practice them and how you encourage others to turn to them. He says, you need to make sure that you do that in an honest and upright way. Why? Because you're representing the Lord. You're representing God. You're representing his word. Each and every one of us in our dealings. So mom and dad, when you talk to your boys and girls and you use the Bible to instruct them and guide them, he's saying, make sure you do that honestly. Not to your advantage, not coercing, manipulating, but use the scriptures properly and rightly. That requires some knowledge, doesn't it? Requires you to know what you're reading. Sandra, Joe, and I, through the years, we have, we have owned and sold several houses through, our, through the years of our life. And one of the things we do is we read through all the legal jargon. Have you, ever, have you ever read through legal jargon? You read down through that and you think, man, we've got to hire the lawyer just to read that for us. So we take it and we read down and we read down through every sentence and we read down through it. And we do that because we want to fully understand. Not only do we want to understand for us, but for either the buyer or the seller, whatever I'm involved in. So we read it to thoroughly understand it. Well, it's kind of hard, isn't it? Kind of reminds me of people who say to me, well, I don't really understand the Bible. It's hard to read. Do you stop just because it's a little challenge? Are you going to stop reading your legal paperwork? If you are, beware. Or like when you go to the grocery store and somebody says to you, and I'll never forget when my dad was diagnosed with congestive heart failure, I went to his house and I went through all his cabinets for him because I had taken him to the doctor and I came home, I came to his house, Sandy came with me and I told him, dad, the doctor says we have to get rid of all these high sodium things. And so I'm reading down through all these labels. I mean, I didn't even know they put all those chemicals in our food. But I'm reading down through that and I'm telling dad, yeah, we can't, yeah, that's got to go. That's got to go, dad. That's got to go. All of a sudden he looks at me, he says, what are you doing? I'm not going to be able to eat anything. I said, dad, it's not me, it's the doctor. It's... But we have to read things and understand things, don't we? All the time. Whether it be legal paperwork, food ingredients, whatever it is. Well, it's the same thing with the Bible. And it's not a good excuse to go ahead and say, well, it's a little hard to read. Well, there's a lot of things that are hard to read. But that doesn't mean we stop trying. That doesn't mean we go ahead and say, oh, what is that? can't do that. 
No, God challenges us here. He says we need to fail not, faint not, in making sure that when we study and, and share the Word of God, we do that and handle it well, not deceitfully. It's part of our testimony. As he comes down, look at the last part of verse 2 again. He says, uh, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let's all say that last phrase right there together. In the sight of God. Let's all do it one more time because I want to get everybody. Even wake up the person beside you. Let's, let's all do it together. Ready? In the sight of God. He is telling you and I that we need to fail not, faint not in our testimony. We need to present ourselves to the conscience of every man. But more importantly than that, it's all done in the sight of God. Because you can hide from man, but you can't hide from God. You can think to yourself, it's so dark, nobody will ever see me. God does. You might think to yourself, well, I'm so far away from home, nobody will ever see me. Wrong. God will. I'm so surprised sometimes I'll be walking, I'll go to a conference somewhere and I'll be walking through an airport and somebody will say, hey, Pastor Taylor. It's happened with me, with some of you. Walking through an airport, and all of a sudden there's somebody from our church in a whole nother place. Years ago, I was in Israel, and I was in the buffet. I know, I know. Don't. <laughs> I'm going through the buffet, and this guy walks up behind me and says, Hey, Pastor Taylor, turn around. It's a guy from Essex on the other side of the world. I didn't know he was going to be there. Neither did he know I was going to be there. You can't, listen, you can't hide from God. You can't even hide from your neighbor. So don't ever think to yourself that you can get away, but, you know, nobody will know. You know, the scriptures teach us that one day our whole lives will be revealed. It's amazing. So he reminds us here. He says, faint not in the way that you live your life, your testimony, in handling of the scriptures, in living before others. He says, don't forget, as you live that life, live it as before God. It's so important. You know, little children for a long time, and I, and I love this about little kids who are like one, two, three years old. They really think their mom can see and know everything. Because they try to get away with something in the other room. Now she can hear them doing it. She knows. But they think that nobody knows. Nobody knows all that wrinkling and unwrinkling of a candy wrapper or, or cookie bag. They, they have no idea that there's somebody who understands what all that sound is. And mom reaches out there with her voice and she says, Harmon? Are you in those Oreos? <laughs> and little Harmon's thinking, how'd she know? She knew. 
Each of us in our lives, it's so good for us to just have that little one, two, three-year-old mentality and understand that God knows. He knows everything. They think mom knows everything. We know that God knows everything. Let's go down to the third part of this section of scripture. As we look at verses 6 down through 9, we see that we need to faint not in shining out the light. Listen to what he says to us in verses 6 down through 9. For God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. When we look at these scriptures, we understand that God is challenging us to shine forth the light that he has revealed. The other day we had these incredible thunderstorms, didn't we? Poor brother Paul, his neighborhood. I saw Paul in here. He's over here on the left. He's doing this rotational thing through the sanctuary. It's making me hard to find people when they do that. <laughs> but Paul and Tammy, they're, they live in Middlebury and their street flooded. Flooded into their basement and all of that part of their house had to pump it out, clean it out, whatever they had to do. But these kind of things, when they happen, they affect all throughout our community, don't they? So when they got flooded, our power went out in Panton. How that works, I do not know. So I call, you know, Sandra Joja, she got on the phone, she calls the power company, she says, and they said, we haven't gotten any other reports from Panton. So I look out the window and every single neighbor has no lights. Thought, well, I guess we're the only gripers. I don't know, but there's no power. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how accustomed we have come to light, to electric light? My grandson was staying with us. He's 14 years old. Power went off. And uh, we are sitting there in the total darkness. Because most of the time when the lights go off, they come back on pretty quick, don't they? We're pretty spoiled. So, you know, but the power went off, we're all sitting there. I'm just patiently waiting for like a minute and a half. <laughs> Lights didn't come back on. Aaron makes a comment about, Gramp, what are we going to do? I said, well, we're going to wait a few minutes. Yeah, another minute and a half passes. Now we got to do something. we got to do something because there's no power and we're in pitch darkness. So we're, we're contemplating. I asked Sandra Joy, I said, we have any more of those lamps, you know, the, the oil burning lamps? She says, yeah, we have the lamps, but no oil. That's a problem. So we have some flashlights in the drawer, but you know what? I've lived long enough, long enough to know those flashlights aren't going to do much good for long. All of a sudden, the light came on in my head. We have solar lights outdoors along our path. So I sent Josh outside with a flashlight. I said, Josh, go gather all the solar lights 
off all the pathway solar things out there. He brings them in, and we got a nice, nice light ambiance in the house. <laughs> We're so used to light, aren't we? And I said to Josh when he was, when he it wasn't Josh, it was Aaron, I'm sorry. Sandra Joe's thinking, you don't know your kids. Uh, I do. Aaron, I said to Aaron, I said, Aaron, you know, this is kind of like the old days. We've only had electric lights for about 100 years, a little more than 100 years. Historically, people didn't have pow, lights. We've become so spoiled to light. But God has revealed a different light. It's not the electric light. It's not even the oil lamp or the gas light. Here he's talking about the light of the word, the living word, Jesus Christ. He says, God has shined forth a light. That light we've also become very comfortable with. Very... Uh, taking it for granted sometimes. The knowledge of Jesus Christ, the Savior, sent forth from heaven, God in the flesh, born of a virgin, living a life of, of meager existence, suffering, crucified, dying, resurrecting, ascending and sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's the light of the gospel. And we've become so comfortable. We've heard it so much. It, it's such a part of our culture, our, our knowledge, that we take that light for granted. But sometimes we forget that there are people who don't have that light. Just like in this world we live in, you and I as Americans, if we don't have light, we're getting worried pretty quick. Our freezer's not on, our air conditioner's not on, our dishwasher's not working, on and on the list goes. But the majority of the world we live in today does not have electricity like you and I have. Even our missionaries, you read our missionaries' uh, letters back here, they will talk about the countries they live in and the long blackouts they have, sometimes for days. That's the way it is with the gospel around the world, too. We are so accustomed to the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the gospel. But there are many corners of the earth. There are many places in this world where the light of the gospel is not shown. It is so dimly lit there are so few people holding up the candle. When we come down here to verses 6 down, it says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I've shown the light of the gospel in your heart so that you can shine it forth in the world that you live in. We must faint not in shining forth the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Verse 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. If when you walk in the foyer, you go down along, you'll see the little window displays, and in those windows, you'll see some ancient pottery and some ancient coins. And they're there so that we can really draw back and understand the history of the scriptures. So when he talks about earthen vessels, you look at those earthen vessels that are in those cases, just made from the clay of the earth, the the mud of the earth, baked in primitive ovens. And here he's likening us to that. He's saying, you and I, verse 7, he's saying, you and I, we're just made like an earthen vessel, a clay pot. And it brings our memory back to Scripture when God scooped up the, the dust of the earth and formed man and blew into him the breath of life. He says, that's what we are. We're not gods. No matter how much the Oprah show or whatever, whoever, wherever wants to tell you, that you're a God or you're some, some kind of potential, a mighty spiritual being. You and I are clay pots. Our power rests in the gift of God in us. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 7. Listen to what he says. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right here, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. So when we start talking about shining forth the light, it's not us that we're trying to shine out. It's not us. But it should be God in us. We are merely that clay pot with the light in it shining forth the radiance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, faint not in shining forth that light. Look again as we come down to verses 8 and 9. He says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. He wants us to understand that, yes, we are just a clay pot. Yes, we are just earthenware. Yes, we are just the dust of the earth where God has breathed in life. But he says, we have not lost the fight. We have the mercy and grace of God with us. We may be troubled in our lives, but we are not distressed, he says. We may be perplexed by the things that go on around us, but we are not in despair. We may be persecuted by this world that we live in and all the the spiritual enemies that are out there. But we are not forsaken. He says, we may even feel cast down, but we are not destroyed. He wants us to remember that we must be faithful in shining forth the light. We must be faithful. We cannot faint back. We cannot pull away. Faint not, Christian. Even as God's mercy is consistent and everlasting, so should we be consistent in shining forth the light of God in each of our lives. 
when we come down to verses 15 and 16 in our text, we see that we should, not, we should faint not in glorifying the Heavenly Father. Because that's really what it's about. It's about lifting Him up, exalting Him. Look with me at verses 15 and 16, if you would. He says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I want to look at that little text I just read to you, starting at the end and working in. He references here, he says, listen, you and I, our inward man is renewed day by day. Why is that important? Because of the very fact that we are down, sometimes feeling cast down. Because sometimes we are perplexed. Because sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that are troubling. So he says to us, don't forget, there's a new morning coming. There's a sunrise arising. That the presence of God is unfailing. That his mercy is always there. He says, do not forget that we need to press on and keep on being faithful to the Lord. We need to do that to his glory and honor. And he will renew us day by day. So each day we start a new day. And maybe yesterday was a really bad one. So today we, by faith, we look to the mercy of God and we say, Lord, help me. Help me to deal with the perplexities. Help me to deal with the persecutions. Help me to deal with the troubles. I look for you to renew me day by day. We rest and trust in him. Yes, we are an earthen vessel. Yes, all this appears today. He says, life is like a vapor. It appears and then it is gone. One of my very, very good pastor friends, some of you even knew him. He really, really tall guy, Kurt Rao, one of my pastor buddies. He just passed away day before yesterday. He'd had cancer for about the last two years. Kurt was, oh, I can't remember, was 6'8", six, 6'9", six, something like that. Really skinny. And he'd, he'd say to me, he said, I may be skinny, but I'm strong. That's what he would say. But you know, Kurt today, his body is laid out. He, there's no, no life in that body anymore. That earthen vessel has been laid down. But Kurt today is in glory. He's with the Lord. And the mercy of God is enduring forevermore. You and I in our lives, every one of us will go the way of the clay. Every one of us, it's unavoidable. We can go ahead. I, I read an article the other day that they have found some chemical in some frog or something somewhere where they, they've determined that, you know what, we can, if we can just isolate that little chemical that lets them get frozen and come back and all that kind of stuff, if we can isolate that, we can extend 
man's life? Maybe. Listen, every discovery we make is something we're discovering that God made. And we might be able to extend life. Maybe we can extend it uh, to the age of Abraham. Because he was a mighty old man. Well, maybe we could even extend it to Methuselah. Hundreds and hundreds of years. But have you ever met Methuselah? He's gone. Have you ever met Abraham? He's gone. So we might be able to extend it, and that's great. I'm all for it. But we all, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. My good friend, Kurt, who loved the Lord and faithfully pastored throughout his whole life, today his body is laid down. The dust of the earth. But his soul lives on with the Lord. So you and I, our goal is not to bring glory to this tabernacle. Our goal is to bring glory to the Heavenly Father. For his eternal mercy is with us forevermore. We look to him. He is the one we must unfaintingly, unfailingly walk with, lift up, represent in this world where Satan desires to hide that message. Be faithful. Be faithful. As faithful as God's mercy is to you, he calls us to be faithful for him. Let's bow our heads. Lord in heaven, as we come to the end of this service today, there's so much in this scripture. so much in this chapter. You challenge us on every corner, every turn. And I pray that this morning as we go forth from here, I pray that you would help us to take to heart the things we have heard. For Lord, our neighbors, our family, our co-workers, our community, so desperately need to see the light that you have shined forth. And Satan tries so hard to blind the eyes of those who do not know. Help us, Lord. Help us to do an inventory in our hearts and souls. Help us to be committed as you are committed to show forth mercy. Help us to be committed to show you forth to them. We thank you. We, we pray that you'd be with us during this invitation time. As we take just a couple verses, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother John is going to lead us in a verse or two of invitation. And that invitation is to us all. It's an invitation for us to take a moment and ask ourselves, am I unfainting in my Christian walk and testimony? In my exalting and glorifying of God? Maybe you need to come and receive Christ today as your personal Savior. You just slip out and come. Just look at me and say, Pastor, I need Christ today. I'll have Brother Kurt open the Bible and answer your questions and pray with you today. 
that you might receive the Lord in your heart and life. Or Christian, right where you're standing or right here at the altar, I invite you to make a decision for Christ to be unwavering, to be faithful, unfainting in your walk and testimony for Him. Let's sing, let's sing this verse of invitation. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure, unto each day what he deems best lovingly it's part of pain and pleasure mingling toil with peace and rest one more verse if the Lord's stirring your heart right where you're standing or right here at the altar make a commitment to him today Every day the Lord himself is near me With a special mercy for each hour All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me He whose name is Counselor and Power The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As your days, your strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Thank you so much for coming and being in God's house this morning. Remember to pray for your community, that they would see the light of the gospel, but also as they face the struggles of life, like floods, whatever may happen, that they would look to the Lord. Oh, yeah, please pray for Gene Fairbrother. Broke his leg horribly bad. He's in the hospital in Burlington, completely shattered it. Um, they, they have it straightened, but the swelling's so bad, they're waiting to put in the screws. Right now they've got pins holding the pieces together. Pray for Gene Fairbrother, if you would, and Bart as well. Um, thank you for being in God's house. Brother John is going to dismiss us with a little chorus. Let me dismiss us with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we go forth. Help us in every way to honor you. Thank you for this opportunity of worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.